This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The British royal family sure does love its ceremonies. For example, the late Queen Elizabeth's birthday has been marked each year by something called the Trooping of the Color. Every June, 1,400 soldiers, 400 musicians, and 200 horses march through the streets from Buckingham Palace to Horse Guards Parade. The Royal Air Force even makes an appearance as their planes fly overhead. It's a massive spectacle, much like Garter Day. Garter Day honors those who have gained entry into the Most Noble Order of the Garter, an order of knighthood founded in 1348 by King Edward III. For the modern-day ceremony, the monarch and knights, all decked out in velvet robes and plumed hats, march from Windsor Castle to St. George's Chapel. A service is held, and new knight companions are inducted into the order. These ceremonies are part of England's long and storied history, dating back hundreds of years. But there's one annual activity that does more than honor those within the royal family's inner circle. In fact, it serves a very specific and much-needed purpose. It all started 800 years ago. During the Middle Ages, swans were considered a versatile bird in England. Not only did ownership of them signify a person's status in society, but they were also really tasty. They were often served around Christmas time as part of the royal feasts. Henry III fed his guests 40 swans during his holiday parties in 1247. The swan, specifically the mute swan, was first brought to Britain by Richard I during the Crusades. At least, that's how the story goes. Ornithologists, however, believe the swan is indigenous to the region. Swans were the livestock of the rich, and the government went to great lengths to protect both the animals and the status they signified. In 1482, the crown introduced the Swan Mark, a series of nicks carved into the beaks to denote ownership. According to the law at the time, only the truly wealthy were allowed to own these majestic birds and were required to purchase swan marks at a steep price. Any swan lacking a swan mark on its beak, regardless of ownership, officially belonged to the crown. The courts grew packed with ownership disputes as well as people defending themselves against accusations of defacing property. Anyone who tried to carve or scratch away at a swan mark or counterfeit their own could face serious jail time. Unsurprisingly, the rich didn't buy the birds because they enjoyed looking at them or even eating them. To own a swan, especially more than one, meant a person was of a higher status than everyone else. But swans were only valuable if they were healthy, and the royal family, the Windsors, have taken the health of their swans seriously for hundreds of years. They began an annual tradition called Swan Upping, which one member of the family joins a team of people called Swan Uppers to row canoes 
up and down the Thames, collecting swans and checking up on their well-being. The swan upping is still practiced to this day, too, usually at the end of July each year. The swan uppers, clad in scarlet rowing shirts and white slacks, row along the Thames for five days. Upon spotting a female swan and her cygnets, or baby swans, a cry of all up is heard and the boats head to their position. The uppers then weigh the bird and note any maladies or injuries, especially among the cygnets. Cygnets are, of course, more vulnerable than the adults and often need greater care. Cygnets are tagged with ID numbers that track their ownership based on parentage, but any swans owned by the crown are left alone. And just as was the rule hundreds of years ago, the queen or king has the right to claim ownership of any unmarked mute swans found in open waters. Today, the swan upping ritual isn't about social status or even the royal family exercising their control over the local animal population. It's about conservation and education. Swan upping protects the lives of Britain's wild swans. School children are invited to participate each year as a way to introduce them to the importance of environmental conservation. Sure, some of the crown ceremonies may look like ostentatious pageantry, but swan upping has evolved into something more than that. It's a tool for protecting the future of England's wildlife and teaching children to do the same. Because not saving the planet? Well, that's for the birds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it.
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. When you get right down to it, almost all important life decisions are centered around money. Where you go to college, what kind of car you drive, what kind of town you live in, and what kind of house you move into are all predicated on the amount you have to spend. After the stock market crash of 1929, everyone started pinching pennies. Bread lines formed around corners and down city blocks. People lost their homes and jobs. Companies shut down, and the country entered a tailspin. Certain administrative projects, even relatively inexpensive ones, were canceled, such as the maintenance and upkeep of small cemeteries around the country. But one enterprising homeowner knew just how to keep the tombstones of an important Civil War cemetery shining for all to see and inject some much-needed stimulus money into the government in the process. It all started on June 15th of 1864 in the city of Petersburg, Virginia, Only months earlier, Ulysses S. Grant had been promoted to Lieutenant General of the Union Army. His goal was to attack the South from several different angles in an effort to capture Richmond, Virginia, the capital of the Confederacy. Grant was facing troubles, as the various armies under his command were being led by generals that had been appointed to him for political reasons. These men were not experienced in the art of war, and so they lost, often. But Grant pushed on, never surrendering, never retreating. He continued to advance his position against Robert E. Lee's forces as he worked his way toward Richmond. The city of Petersburg was essential to his plan, as it was home to a junction point where five different railroads met. Capturing Petersburg meant cutting off supply and communication routes for the Confederates, forcing Lee to surrender Richmond, or fight Grant out in the open. From June 15th until the 18th, the troops under General P.G.T. Beauregard of the South fended off the Federal Army of the North, Union forces were unable to capture Petersburg as attended, but that didn't stop them from trying. The Siege of Petersburg, as it was called, lasted until March of the following year, just over nine months. In the end, the Confederates could not endure. Lee's forces were decimated and the North captured Petersburg on the 25th, two weeks before Lee would officially surrender, bringing an end to the war on April 9th of 1865. Thousands died on each side though the siege cost the Union a far greater number of casualties than it did the Confederacy. The northern soldiers were buried in Poplar Grove Cemetery in Petersburg, their graves identified by wooden markers. Over time, however, those wooden grave markers disappeared. Constant exposure to the elements caused them to rot and fall away, leaving behind no trace of who was interred six feet below. Eventually, though, the government stepped in and had all the wooden grave markers replaced with marble headstones, much sturdier than wood. 
As the years passed, the cemetery continued to be maintained with the help of government funding, keeping each headstone clean of dirt and standing perfectly upright. And then the market crashed in 29. People lost everything. Belts needed to be tightened. That meant places like Poplar Grove Cemetery were suddenly left to decline. To save money and cut down on mowing, the city modified the gravestones one more time. Each one was cut in half, with the top halves, the pieces engraved with the names of each soldier, placed flat on the ground. But what to do with the blank bottom halves? Well, one man had an idea. His name was Oswald Young, and in 1934, he wanted to build a house in Petersburg, Virginia. He purchased 2,200 discarded headstones for $45 apiece. That was $99,000 in 1935, which balloons to roughly $1.2 million in today's money. The exterior walls, the walkway, and the chimney were all built using the headstones, each a slightly different color from the other. The patchwork construction gives the home a stitched-together Frankenstein's monster kind of look. If these walls could talk, they would probably have a lot to say about what happened during the Siege of Petersburg. With 2,200 Union soldier gravestones used to build a civilian's house, I wouldn't be surprised if there has been a ghost or two spotted, shambling across the lawn from time to time. After all, the Tombstone House of Petersburg would make a perfect haunted house at Halloween, don't you think? I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.